Welcome to the Mercy Hill Church Podcast. This podcast is a collection of sermons and conversations intended to stir up your affections for Jesus. We hope this content helps you know and tell the story of Jesus better. Good morning, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Mercy Hill. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1. In just a moment, we're going to pick up in verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, listen, I, I don't have to tell you uh, that this week our community uh, experienced a terrible tragedy with a shooting in Atlanta. Uh, that hits close to home for us. Uh, some uh, of the folks who are in that facility are actually neighbors with some of our church members. And, and so I just, before we even jump into Ephesians chapter 1, just wanted to take a moment and pray together uh, for the families involved in that shooting and our community and that sort of thing. So would you uh, pray with me this morning? Uh, Father, we live in a broken world that makes uh, very little sense to us. Uh, this is one of those things that just seems absolutely senseless. And so, God, we just ask uh, in the middle of this terrible tragedy uh, that you would come alongside the family uh, who have lost a loved one, uh, that you would bring comfort and strength to them. Uh, For the families who are uh, injured in this experience, uh, this uh, terrible occurrence, Uh, Father, we just just ask that uh, uh, you would bring healing and strength, uh, that that those families would also know that you are present with them. And for the many, many people uh, who are asking all sorts of questions this morning, uh, Father, about uh, what happened, how they can move forward, how they could go back to work, uh, what it's going to look like, uh, what they do with their grief, uh, what they do with their fear. Uh, Father, we just ask that you would be very present with them, uh, that they would know that you, you are trustworthy, uh, that you will walk with them. And so, God, we just ask that you would do that work. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, we've been through uh, for several weeks now uh, together through this chapter. Uh, We want to tie up this section this morning uh, by asking this question. We've seen these amazing spiritual blessings or realities that God has given to us. What does that mean for us and how can we know for sure? Uh, have you ever done one of these uh, high adventure ropes course? Anybody done one of the high adventure ropes course before? You know how it works. Uh, they strap you in with a harness. Uh, they possibly make you climb to the top of this massive structure, 25 to 50 feet over the ground. And then they ask you to do ridiculous stuff, right? Kind of crazy stuff. I got some pictures. I don't know if we want to, like this. Like, hey, how about you uh, walk across swings with your feet 25 feet up in the air? Right? Or you could do something like this. Oh, uh, we got a pole that you just climbed to the top of. Why don't you jump and grab hold of that trapeze bar right there? Seems fun, right? Seems like a lot of fun. We got this one. Walk across like a rope bridge. That one seems pretty simple to me. Uh, or, hey, how about you just scurry across this uh, cargo net, which the bottom's not attached to anything, Right? Uh, So these are just some ideas of what happens on a ropes course. And if you've done one before, if you're anything like me, even though I know I'm harnessed in, I still feel afraid. Anybody ever been there before? Like, I know when I jump from this pole and grab that trapeze bar that I'm not going to fall. I know it. But I still can't quite make myself jump, right? Like I got to muster up some courage to do it. Why? Because I'm asking this question. How do I know for sure? 
How can I be sure that this harness is going to hold? How can I be sure that the apparatus is going to work appropriately? How can I be sure? And that's the question we come to in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. If you got your Bibles, let's pick up together. Verse 11 says this. In him, that's in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So let's remember where we've been over the past couple weeks. Paul says we have every spiritual blessing we need in Christ. Those blessings have included we've been adopted into God's family, that God chose us to belong to him, that God wanted you to belong to his family. You didn't sneak in. God wasn't reluctant to include you. You're not here by accident. That you were also redeemed by Jesus, set free by Jesus, set free from sin uh, and slavery uh, to sin, uh, and, and, and that we were forgiven of those sins set free from the slavery of addiction to ourselves, the thing inside of us that makes us our own highest priority. He says these are life-changing truths, things that if we truly grasp are blessings to us. How would you live differently today if you were confident that you belonged to God the Father or that you were loved by God or that you were a son or daughter of God? How would you live differently today if you actually believed you had been redeemed? Do you have a choice to not sin, that you're not trapped, that you're not stuck? Do you forgiven despite your guilt that you don't have to live under the weight of shame? Sort of life-changing truths. But ask this question still, like, but how, how am I sure those things are true? Check out verse 11. He says this, in him we have obtained an inheritance. What does he mean by inheritance? Now, an inheritance is something that you are promised now, but you don't have yet. Most of the time when we talk about an inheritance, we talk about it in regards to money being passed down inside a family. So Jeff Bezos is worth $125 billion with a B dollars. That is a lot of dollars. He has four kids, and what's going to happen? When he dies, his four kids are going to receive a portion of his wealth that he's built up as an inheritance. And so his family is what? They're set. They're secure, right? You would have to live a pretty reckless and wild life to blow through your portion of $125 billion with a B dollars. So Paul's saying here, you also, you've been adopted into God's family. So guess what? You're an heir. And so you also have an inheritance coming to you. You have a secure future. You have a bright future because you belong to the family of God. Peter tells us the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's the inheritance. Verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. So what did Peter just say? Here's this inheritance, heaven, or that you are going to be in the full presence of God, that we're going to dwell where God dwells, that we have a new life coming to us in heaven and in the new heaven and the new earth. So in other words, we could just simply say this way. For believers in Jesus, we have a bright future. You have a bright future. Sounds good. But again, the same question, how do I know for sure? I mean, we're talking about spiritual realities, right? I know for sure my power bill is due because I get the bill in the mail. I know for sure my left arm was broken because the doctor sat with me and showed me the x-ray. But how do I know for sure that I have this inheritance coming to me, a place I've never seen, and it's far, far in the future? We'll look back at the text. You see this phrase that's repeated several times? In him? You see that phrase? In fact, if we go and look at verses 3 all the way through verses 14, that phrase, in him, is repeated eight times. In the, in the rest of Ephesians, it's repeated 21 times. If you look at all of Paul's letters, it's repeated 169 times. So this is probably an important phrase for us to understand. In him, in Christ, in the beloved. What does it mean to be in Christ? It simply means that we are spiritually and really, in reality, united with Jesus. That when we came to faith in Christ, we were bound to Jesus. Or we could say it this way, we have been deeply identified with Jesus. So let's put it all together from the past couple of weeks. God's heart is to adopt us, to bring us into his family, to give us this inheritance. In order to do that, he's got to redeem us. He's got to free us from our slavery to sin so that we can come into his family free and clear. And the way that he does that is by uniting us with Jesus or so closely identifying our lives with Jesus' life that what becomes tr true of Jesus or that what is true of Jesus becomes true of us. Jesus says it this way in John 15 to his disciples, abide in me. You're with me. So we have become so deeply identified with Jesus that guess what? His inheritance becomes our inheritance. How do you know for sure what's coming for you in the next life? Because you've been united with Christ. You've been, when you came to faith in Jesus, so deeply identified with him that what's true of Jesus became true of you. And guess what kind of inheritance Jesus has? So then what does that mean for your future? Could you doubt your future? Could you doubt your eternity? Yes. But what in reality would you be doubting? Jesus' future. Because you've been so closely identified with Jesus. What's true of him becomes true of you. It works kind of like this. Um, so I'm married. My wife's name is Kristen. I have some wonderful in-laws, Arnold and Linda. Many of you know them. Uh, they belong to our church. If Arnold and Linda leave Kristen any sort of inheritance. I really have very little to do with it, right? I didn't grow up in their house. I'm not a blood relative of them. So they're going to leave an inheritance. 
of some sort, we hope, to Kristen. Right? But since we're married, Kristen and I, since we've been united together as one, since we are now so deeply identified with each other that what's true of her has become true of me, that's a wedding vows, right? Then guess what? I get some of the action too, right? Did I earn it? I, I will say I think I'm Linda's favorite, even out of her own kids. You know what I mean? Like you could ask her and see, I think I am, but... But, but I'm not in the position of an heir, right? I'm identified with the heir. And so I get that inheritance too. The same thing. My parents leave an inheritance. It comes to me, divided up between me, my brother, and my sister. But guess who gets some of it? Kristen. Why? Because since we've been united as one, what happens to me happens to her and vice versa. And so your future inheritance in heaven, united with God the Father, is secure because of Jesus. And when you came to faith in Christ, you've been so closely identified with him that his future is yours. You get to share in it. And so even when you and I wander off into sin, even when we feel inadequate, even when we feel overcome by our shame, even when our circumstances rob us to believe that there is no way God could have a good future for us, even when we think God doesn't care, we can take heart because my future isn't dependent on my present. My future depends on being united with Jesus. It's good news. And it gets better. Let's look at verses 11 and 12 again. In him, we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So what he just said, God had a plan from before the foundation of the world to save his people and to give them an inheritance, heaven, eternity in his presence, that God had a plan to make a people for himself reconcile him to himself and to bring us into this new heaven and new earth. That was his purpose. This is what God set about to do before the world began. And God, it says, works all things according to the counsel of his will. What does that mean? When God sets out to do something, he does it. So check this out. Not only is our future inheritance a reality because we've been united with Jesus, but our bright future depends on God accomplishing his purpose, not our accomplishments. Your future doesn't depend on what you've done. That's great news. Let's go back to Jeff Bezos. $125 billion with a B dollars. It's a lot of dollars, right? My kids are going to divide up $125, Right? That, this kid's inheritance is solely based on whose accomplishment? His accomplishments. Not theirs, right? It's not their work. They didn't do it, but they get the future benefits of it. In the same way, your future is based on what God purposed to do and what he accomplished. 
And God purposed to save you by sending his son Jesus, who died for you in your place, paying the full penalty of sin that you owed, guaranteeing your future. This son Jesus resurrected from the dead as a a prototype of your resurrection from the dead, that you are going to be resurrected to a new life in heaven. God did all of that. And guess what? God works all things through the counsel of his will. Or what? God does what he set out to do. And so even your worst moments cannot undo what God has purposed to do. Your doubts cannot undo what God has accomplished. Your insecurities cannot undo what God has accomplished. Your sin cannot undo what God has accomplished. Your failures cannot undo what God has accomplished. They are not enough to undo what God has done. You go, yeah, 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 but Bezos' kid could blow it all after he was dead. They very well could. But remember what we learned two weeks ago. That God gives us grace out of his abundance. That God is gracious to us over and over again. And the depths of his bank account we cannot drain. So could you try your best to blow it? Yes. And could you ever run out of enough grace to cover for what you've done? Absolutely not. So our bright future depends on God accomplishing his purpose, not our accomplishments. Look at verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him. Let's just stop there. For the past three weeks, we've been talking a lot about what God did. Right? All that God did. God loved us. God adopted us into his family. God redeemed us, freed us from slavery to sin through Jesus, his son. God forgave us. God gave us an inheritance just like we're sons and daughters. We're in the family. We've seen all that Jesus did. Jesus came to earth. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. And here is now the one thing that you and I do. Just the one thing. We heard the good news of Jesus, the gospel of our salvation. We heard that God created us to know him. We heard that our sins separated us from God. We heard that Jesus came to die for us and Jesus paid the full penalty of our sin. And then what did we do? We simply believed in Jesus. Not we believed that God existed, not that we were entertained by the story, but we actively trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's all we contribute. Is God did it all, handed us a gift, and we just received it. It's your only contribution. And then God does even more. Check this out. Verse 13 again. In him, also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, guess what? Here's what God did. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What does he mean sealed? In the ancient world, an owner would announce his ownership of something by putting his seal on it. A seal could go on. Cattle, any other sort of property as a marker. What's the owner of something doing? Marking it as a guard of their property. Hey, everybody, this belongs to me. It's like in Toy Story. How does Andy seal his toys? He writes his name, the bottom of their foot, right? Come on, you guys seen Toy Story, right? Are you guys with me? 
All right, you got a homework assignment. If you've not seen Tor Story 1, 2, or 3, you should watch them all. If you haven't seen 4, it's not a big deal. Here's what Paul is saying. When you trusted Jesus, when you believed in him, God wrote his name on you, sealed you. But instead of that seal being external, he did it in your heart. And the Holy Spirit then came to dwell with us, God's presence with us, declaring, hey, you belong to God. You've been sealed. The ownership over your life is done. Already proclaimed, you belong to God. We were marked as belonging to God. And this is, he says, the promise Holy Spirit. Why does he use that word promise? Well, because the Old Testament promises this is the way God's going to mark out his people, right? Ezekiel chapter 36 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What are, what's going on here? In the Old Testament, God says, hey, there's a problem. You don't do what I tell you to do. And that problem's not a problem you can solve on your own. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you my spirit. And my spirit's going to come inside of you. My spirit's going to rejuvenate your heart. And my spirit's going to help you to do what I ask you to do. Promised. That's the way God's going to do this whole thing. Not just in the Old Testament, but guess what? Jesus promises this too. Acts 1.8, we talked about this several weeks ago, but Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Promised. John 15, I'm sorry, John 16, to his disciples again, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And these promises, these promises also point us to what the Holy Spirit does. So when you believed in Christ, God marked you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does the work of saving you. Jesus in John chapter 3 is talking to Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. Who does the born again work? That's the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel, new heart and a new spirit. Holy Spirit does that work. When you don't, when you, so when you and I see these characteristics in our lives, these are what it means to be marked by the Holy Spirit or sealed with the Holy Spirit. You got a new heart? And so guess what? When you desire to know God, guess what that is? That's the Holy Spirit at work. When you want to change, guess what that is? That's the Holy Spirit at work. Ezekiel says that he enables you to obey. When you walk in obedience, guess what that is? That's the Holy Spirit at work. Jesus says the Holy Spirit gives us power. When you share the good news of Jesus, guess what that is? That's the Holy Spirit at work. When you experience, like Jesus told his disciples, conviction of your sin, guess what that is? That's all the Holy Spirit at work. Jesus is saying, to his disciples, hey, the Spirit's coming and he's going to do this work inside of you. And then Paul's saying, as a matter of fact, that's happened to everybody who's believed. So if you trusted in Christ, guess what? It's the Holy Spirit at work. And so how do we have confidence that we're going to receive this inheritance in the future because we have God's presence with us now? The next phrase he says is a 
not just a promise, but a down payment. It's not just that you have a bright future, but God has brought some of that future into your life right now. This guarantee of our inheritance is the down payment. In Greek and Roman culture of the day, it was customary to pay a deposit uh, in order to move towards a purchase of a property. Uh, we would call it earnest money, right? Like, here's some of my money. As a guarantee, you're going to get the rest of my money, right? I'm making an offer on this house. It's going to come with some earnest money, so you know I'm good for the rest. Here's what Paul's saying. The Holy Spirit came into your life, transformed your heart, right? Brought conviction of sin, is teaching you how to obey and follow Jesus, All of these things and all of these things is a little bit of God's presence with you now is a down payment that you're going to get all of God's presence later. And so we get God's presence with us now as a promise that we will be fully in his presence one day. You're like, Brandon, that's great, man. But uh, you'll know about me. Man, you don't know about my secret addiction. Brandon, you don't know me. You don't know how I'm plagued with doubts. Brandon, you don't, you don't know me, man. Man, I look like I got it all together at church on Sunday morning, but I am full of insecurities. Brandon, how can you say these things to me with confidence when you know anything about my life? Can I show you one more thing? If we took this whole passage together, It's just one piece, three through 14. There's actually something unbelievable here. So as Christians, we believe in this thing called the Trinity, which is the nature of God, who we believe God is. The God is one God in three persons. It's confusing. It's mysterious. Hey, look, if I got everything about God, he wouldn't be God. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of comforting in a way. But look back at this text. What do you see? Well, in these immediate verses 11 through 14, we're united as one with Jesus. We've been given an inheritance by God the Father. We've been sealed with God the Spirit. If we took the whole text, remember back over the past three weeks, we were chosen by God the Father, redeemed by Jesus the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. So check this out. You have a bright future because all of God is at work to bring you safely home. Do you see that? Every bit of who God is, is actively at work to save you and to bring you safely home into your inheritance. You are not just harnessed in trusting some 21-year-old who smoked pot before his shift to do the harness correctly. Your future is secured because you have been secured by God the Father to Jesus the Son and sealed by the Holy Spirit. God did it. And yeah, man, you could come. You could come pretty boastfully. Be like, man, you don't know what I did. Unless what you did can outweigh the work of all of God, it doesn't matter what you did. And so then, as believers in Jesus, we can walk in unbelievable confidence. Man, because we didn't choose ourselves, God chose us. 
We didn't adopt ourselves. God adopted us. We didn't redeem ourselves. Jesus redeemed us. We didn't forgive ourselves. Jesus forgave us. We didn't mark ourselves. God marked us by his Holy Spirit. All of God is at work in you to deliver you safely home. I mean, you want to supercharge your day. You want to fill yourself with confidence and hope. You want to remind yourself that nothing can separate you from the love of God. You just go to this chapter tomorrow morning. You go, God, I am overwhelmed by your grace to me. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I got it, though. These amazing spiritual blessings. All because of what you did. Your purpose before the world began what you accomplished in Jesus 2,000 years ago and what you were doing in my heart and life right now. Which is why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, what could separate us from the love of God? What? What? And then the reality is today for some of us, the harsh reality is we don't have a bright future. We don't. And the reason is solely because our sin has still separated us from God. This is good news. What's true of who Jesus is could be true of you today. See, my only hope, friend, is that what's true of Jesus became true of me. That's it. I've been united, closely identified with Jesus. And today, if you're feeling uncertain about your future because you've never trusted Christ, if today you're feeling overwhelmed by guilt and shame, today you feel like you need forgiveness, today you're feeling perhaps a conviction of the Holy Spirit in this moment right now, the good news is it is just simply identifying yourself with Jesus that saves you. That's it. You heard the good news and you believe. So we would just invite you today, just trust Christ. Before God, acknowledge your sin. Before God, acknowledge your need to be saved. And then pray and ask Jesus to save you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a new heart and a new life. And your future changes then in an instant. I'm going to invite uh, the band back up. And as Mitchell's coming, I just, one more thing. The reason we change the service today is because we believe this passage is fuel for worship. If you look back at the text, there's something else that's repeated three times. To the praise of his glory. One time it says, to the praise of his glorious grace. And it would be very unfortunate. We would miss the point. If we left today and we weren't full of awe and praise for God, that we weren't overwhelmed by the truth, that when we could not save ourselves, God worked. God accomplished it for us. Wouldn't it be goofy if in face, in the light of all of this truth, we walked away boasting in ourselves? All of this, the takeaway would be like, man, I've been at church six weeks in a row. Come on. Man, we made, we made some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches 
the table on Delk. I'm good to go now. No, 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 no. We look at this text and we go, God, you did it all. Every bit. I don't deserve any of it, but you graciously chose me, redeemed me, forgave me, adopted me, sealed me with the Spirit, and you are protecting me through your Spirit from now until I see you face to face. And you deserve every bit of the glory, honor, and praise. So I'm just going to invite you as your response to God today, just stand and sing. And maybe today you need to raise some hands. Maybe today you need to spend some time in prayer. Maybe today you just need to soak it all in. Maybe today you need to sing your guts out and just say, thank you, God, for what you did. Let's just end this time together, giving God all glory and honor. Thanks for listening to the Mercy Hill Church podcast. To keep up with the life of Mercy Hill Church, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We believe the Christian life is best experienced in community. If you're in our area, we'd love for you to join us. If not, we'd love to help you get plugged into a local church near you. Have a great week.